ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Canadian Puxedo. I just forgot the name of our podcast. Oh, good Lord. All right. Another perfect intro in the books. I just got vaccinated. Literally still have a needle hanging out of my arm. Congrats. Thanks, baby. Huge sunny day for your vaccination, too. Oh, yeah. Huge, sunny, beautiful day to sit back and reflect on the time that somehow you and I have committed to doing a podcast in the middle of fucking Newfoundland summer where we have to cover the Montreal Canadiens. This is one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my entire life. Who would have thought? Who would have thought literally three weeks ago that we would be talking about the Winnipeg Jets squaring up against the Montreal Canadiens. I Nobody. I would have not. In fact, I don't know. Maybe I'm just an optimistic fellow, or maybe I don't think things through, but I genuinely, genuinely never once considered that this would be a possibility. I knew in my I heart, mean, but I never considered it. I know, like, everyone rags on the, like, money puck stuff and all that, and there were – so the money puck didn't think it. But also, if you looked at all, the, like, the sports net – commentators none of them picked the Habs whatsoever that was a big whiteboard material thing and only a handful like not even a handful like a few picked the Jets uh <sighs> okay like I get very irritated with the stats dialogue and I gotta be honest I think there's gonna be a lot of that in this episode because I have some fucking grievances to air with how people are comporting <laughs> themselves on twitter.com money puck and Basically, any statistician said this, as well as most journalists, everyone picked the Leafs, right? Yeah. The stats guy said the Leafs had an 80% chance to win. Hey, motherfuckers, that's 80%. I don't know if you know this about 80%, but that means that there's 20% of something that can still happen. It doesn't no, mean are- that they were wrong. They weren't. If you play this series five times, I bet the Leafs win four, but one out of five, they were going to lose. And that's the timeline we're in, the darkest timeline. One of, one of the things that I've learned on the stats side of things just through you is that I am actually mad at the fact that I'm cheering for an inverse. I'm not mad at the stats people. I'm just mad that my hockey team is an inverse number. It's like, oh, what are the odds? 80? All right, they're going to find 20% way to fuck it up. The Leafs are an inverse number. The Leafs are disastrous, but we'll get into the Leafs. <laughs> I don't want to say I'm not sad about it because I am, but we'll get to it. First of all, I'm going to start with this real quick. I owe Carey Price an apology. I don't know if there was a single episode on this podcast that I did not criticize Carrie Price. It was on the first episode. I remember you and I criticized the first episode and I texted my buddy and I was like, I just talked shit about Carrie Price and I feel bad. This is what I said. I said that he looks washed. I said that he's having a bad season. And I said that his contract is horrendous and that I don't believe the hype of him as a playoff goalie. Do I still think his contract is bad? Yep. I think it's the second worst goalie contract in the league and therefore the second worst contract in the league probably. Sorry, I still think that. And uh, I don't know when I'm ever going to believe that, but I'm not there. Uh, but I, he was amazing. Carey Price was fucking incredible. And uh, it hurt. Yeah. Uh, 
where are we going? Are we going to start with what's happening right now with the Jets and the Habs, or are we going to just go right into rip the Band-Aid off? We're going to go Leafs-Habs. No, 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 no. The ban- Let's let this Band-Aid stay on another minute. I might need it. Let's go to the Habs-Jets. Let's get to the most recent <laughs> stuff first. Just the man literally wearing a Band-Aid right now. Uh, genuinely having a Band-Aid on right now. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, the thing is, I think for some of our listeners who are of other fans, and we're very grateful for you, I think that uh, – We want to make sure that we are staying true to the concept of the pod and we are covering, uh, you know, every team. So we're going to do the Habs-Jets series first and then we're going to go, you you guys can leave. If you want to see two Leafs fans lose their shit a little bit, you are welcome to stay, of course, but we're going to give you what you need off the top and for the Leafs fans looking for... uh, our reaction to that will be there then. So let's talk about the Habs and the Jets. I looked at this series as, well, both both of those teams are underdogs. They are the third and fourth best team in the division. I still think that. Uh, I don't. I will never believe that a uh, seven-game playoff series is more indicative than 52 games of a regular season game. I don't believe it one bit. But they are, uh, hockey's a random game, and shit happens all the time. This, to me, is the kind of the the future of goaltending in the Canadian division slash present versus the past and this kind of living legend thing that's happening right now. Connor Halbuck versus Carey Price, and they were incredible in the first round, and my God, in game one, did they ever look fallible, those sons of bitches? Are you kidding me? Carey Price just couldn't be touched against the Leafs. Game one, he puts up an 867 against the Jets. Where was that? I've got a theory on this. I've got a theory. Both of these teams uh, are literally off the... This is why I'm so excited for this series. Both of these teams aren't good at possession. They're just not. So everything is coming off of a rush. Yeah. Everything. Like, that's that's going to be the, the, the wheel that drives both of these teams right now. The one thing I think the Leafs were trying to do with their possession game, and it, it drove us mad, was they were trying to get Carey Price to move side to side. But they were doing that by cycling the puck. Winnipeg last night had a pretty good job of getting Carey Price to move side to side off the rush, and then that's how they generated it. On the Hab side of things, all of their stuff comes off the rush regardless, and Connor Hellebuck is – the Jets' defense has kind of always been their weakness, like their Achilles heel, and Mm -hmm. Connor Hellebuck likes to see what's going on in front of him, so his his defensemen give him the room. The Habs – immediately went to work at exploiting that by just literally having guys uncontested up in front of them. Two goals right off the bat. We're like, fellas are in his kitchen making a sandwich, and boom, here comes the puck, and it's in the back of the net. I mean, some of the guys are making a sandwich. Nick Suzuki was making a fucking steak dinner. That's the nicest goal (laughs) I've seen in the playoffs. That was absolutely beautiful. I don't think I've seen a nicer goal than that from Nick Suzuki. The one thing about that goal is, you know the Simpsons meme, stop, stop, he's already dead? Well, Ladies and gentlemen, like, welcome to one of my favorite co- uh, segments of this podcast, Charles Explains Meme to Matt. <laughs> so yeah, it's the stop, stop, he's already dead, because he has Hellebuck down, and he's still deking him, and then I he's know. just like, all right, I'll, I'll, it's, like a, it's like a fish on a line, really. It's like, all right, I'll take it off now, and in goes the puck. It was very comical for me to watch. Yeah, stunning goal. And you are right, he did hang on a second late, and he scored, and it was beautiful, and we're talking about him as he as if he's a hero, and he was, but if Hellebuck manages to get back and make a save on that, people are talking about him like he's too showy, and he's full of shit, and all this. So my point is there, 
the line is so small between all those little garbage narratives that we seem convinced that we must repeat every year because we don't understand how this game works. I don't think you're talking about the Habs and the uh, Jets anymore there, are you? Everything is connected. Uh, we, we, oh. gotta, we gotta talk about the hits like we gotta talk i know i know yeah, we really we gotta, really do gotta, uh, you want to go first charles <laughs> man i don't know where to start maybe at the fact that like do we really need to have this song and dance every time there is an obvious suspendable act where there's like i don't know at least 10 to 20 percent of the people trying to be like no it was a clean hit <laughs> keep it in the game when like Mark Shifley winds up to start skating at the guy in a different postal code and then finally yeah. just brains him. Like, I understand that some people are fans and all of this stuff, but it's like, this one, you can't, like, you can't really, like, minute left, empty net. Uh, the puck is in the net when he hits him. Like, all of these things, oh, I yeah. know are like circumstances, but there's no way you can defend this kind of and i don't want to be like oh my god this is a, a, the worst thing i've seen on ice because it's not but it's like it's a facepalm moment it's like jesus christ if they don't start getting this stuff out of the game it's only going to get worse from this and it's my second part of the playoffs that i have been embarrassed the first was the Felino fight after the oh, okay. uh, the John Tavares incident that I was just like, this is kind of embarrassing. And make no mistake, hockey needs to grow. Hockey is such an insulated little game with the same fucking 65-year-old men just parroting each other. But the reality is hockey is like the sixth biggest sport in North America. It's less popular than NASCAR. People would rather watch cars with fucking laundry detergent companies painted on them drive around in circles than watch this game because the league can't stop holding itself back. It's, I thought that hit was brutal. And it just, like, I don't want to see another guy on a stretcher. I'm too fucking old, mm. man. Yeah, yeah, that's, and that's, here's, here's what I differentiate from that. Okay, uh, the John Tavares thing is gruesome looking as it was. Corey Perry was not actively trying to put John Tavares on a stretcher. He was Total not action. trying to it. Mark Shifley was trying to put Jake Evans on a stretcher, and he succeeded. Like, he was trying to absolutely just demo this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he really, no one he was trying to wreck him. Yeah. So you can see him. He gives up on the puck because the easy play there is to reach forward and get your stick in there. If you're trying to stop a goal, he knows there's no goal. He is just pissed off. He loses his head, and he's like, I'm going to hurt this man. I don't think, for what it's worth, and I, I don't even know if it's worth splitting hairs on this, but I don't think he was trying to put him on a stretcher. I do think he was trying to flatten him, but I think even after he was like, oh, damn it, I'm an idiot. What I just did was so <laughs> like, stupid. And you could see him watch his own replay, and he was like, oh, god damn. Okay, and it's, was that's not, I'm not saying that makes it forgivable or that that should change how it's treated. I think he should be suspended uh three games or more in my opinion but but like shifley does not have a history of this shit uh but he in this in this instance he lost his head and i I guess i I shouldn't have said like he was trying to put him on a stretcher because i mean at the end of the day he's carrying a a weapon and a stick so he was actually if that was his end game you know he would have just beamed him in the but 
I think a part of this goes back to like every time before the playoffs start up, there's kind of like all these panel guys talking much similar to us. But one thing that they always come back to is like, Oh, in the playoffs, you hit to hurt. And uh, boy, that was a hit to hurt. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's, you know, a hit to hurt. If it's a clean hit, well, okay, fine. It is a series. You're playing the same team over and over again, but when it's a dirty hit to hurt, that's quite literally by definition intent to injure. And there's no room for that in the game. I like hitting. I find it very exciting. But I will also say that uh, on a human side of things, I would be I would happily watch a game of hockey that had less big hits that had uh, also had less guys getting concussions and uh, getting knocked out on the ice. I would. I think it's a worthy trade off. I'm not saying that you are a bad person if you do not agree with that. But as just one fan, because everyone, there's so many like ex tough guys getting on TV being like, this is what people love. I'll just say that I would be fine without it. Yeah. I don't think, yeah, that's, I don't think everybody loves it. Like if there's no part of me that enjoys watching a blatantly dirty hit because everything that comes after that is just tiring. Like every, every part Mm -hmm. of this, it's, what is it? Like it's five o'clock here, five 30. We don't know how long he's been suspended. That's been the talk, like, if, you, if, you, if you're dialed into, like, hockey Twitter and if you've listened to Hockey Central and stuff, that's been the talk for literally all day. And it's just, to me, it's tiring. Like, that's not what – last night had a great hockey game. Great hockey and game. That, yeah. happens, that happens at the 59th minute. And we're wondering why the, the, the sport isn't growing. We just spent a full day talking about something that happened at the 59-minute mark in a great hockey game. Yeah. And it's – So, the thing is, like – George Parrish is an issue. I know you've said before that you have no faith whatsoever in NHL player safety, and I think you're dead right. So here's a, this is genuinely a problem. George Parrish, I, this couldn't be more on the nose. The director of player safety owns a clothing brand called Violent Gentleman. He is in charge of curbing violent activity on the ice, and it is literally bad for his business. To curb any of that. Is that not the biggest fucking conflict of interest? Do you know what their business slogan is? Like their tagline on all of their shit? Make hockey violent again. That's their, you know, like the make this. Yeah. (laughs) Like make hockey violent again. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's, here's my problem with this. And I've like, I've, I've, I've been known to rant about a few things before, but I've ranted about this as well. I think the NHL needs to get away from X players heading this department because when it changes from X player to X player, the precedent gets erased and changes. And we're essentially watching a hockey version of a Judge Judy versus a people's court. I think they need a sports scientist to head this department. And You're goddamn right. I think they need the same group that's there for longer than 10 years they need someone like historically we've had three to five seasons with the same person being at this front and everyone's like well the nhl always suspends to the letter of the rule book fine that's that's fair but i really think the nhl has all these clauses and stuff like that and the intent to injure one is 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 one of them that's in there and i think a sports science like some sort of sports science firm or somebody in the background in sports science should head this 
Honestly, former players should be so far down the list of uh, qualifications that would choose you to hire that job. Uh, sports scientist is great. Uh, some type of doctor who has an understanding of head trauma. A lawyer. Mm -hmm. A player who had his career ended due to concussions, I think, would be a very natural fit. With but this that, ain't though, it. Yeah, this ain't it. But with that, I'm going to say it's like, a, I think that's unfair as well because... Like if a guy had like Eric Lindros had a long hockey career and his 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 life was unrailed and his career was ended with concussions, I don't think they should just be because Eric Lindros had a lot of concussions. He's the guy to fix the problems in the NHL. You know what I mean? No, but he has an understanding of uh, safety and what the what the cost is when that shit happens. I don't want to get too deep into this right now. To be honest, I yeah. I think we got some other stuff we could get into. I think honestly, both of our points here is this blows goats. Yes, because it's it's a coin toss, like goats. Literally, I'm sitting here right now, and I could be like, it could be anything from six games to a fine. Literally, oh. I would not be blown away with any of it. Well, we'll see. So another thing there, uh, quick, I, I love this. I wanted to bring this up uh, about Kakanyemi. Uh, they interviewed him last night. He's had a great playoffs. Uh, he was scratched the first two games because uh, Montreal was winning despite a coach who I'm still convinced is a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Kakanyemi last night said, who would have thought a 20-year-old would need rest, but here we are. That's so funny. Bless that child. I've, I've grown I, – he's, he's earned a, like a, a bit of a fan in me in this series. I think it's been great. That's uh... – it's kind of a dig at his own coach, is it not? You're goddamn right. And I love the balls on that four-year-old boy that plays for the are Montreal they, Canadiens. Are they going to keep him regardless now? I mean, he's won the, he's won the series. Tough to say. Uh, Tatar, I mean, speaking of weird disarm decisions, Jake Evans is out. Uh, luckily, they have a I, – I don't – like Tatar, some people say he's hurt. Some people say he isn't. It seems pretty clear that he's done with the Habs after this year, and he's a quality player. I, I really don't mean this in disrespect to Jake Evans, who I think has had a good playoffs and does have value as a player. He's not Thomas Tatar. Thomas Tatar is a legitimate top six winger. And uh, Montreal is going to be able I, to weather this injury, frankly. And and I, I'm really trying to be careful with how I'm saying this because I feel awful for, for Evans. Uh, mm. But he's just not who Tatar is. Tatar is no. uh, one of the more underrated players in the league. I think with the case with Tatar is Ducharme kind of wants each line to do a certain thing, and he's lost where to put Tatar in that deck of cards. So he, he's got Jake Evans down there doing Jake Evans stuff, and now it's like, well, who do I put down there to do the Jake Evans stuff, and where do I fit Thomas Tatar, if that makes any sense. That's, that's kind of the way I see it. You fit Thomas Tatar in your first line, you give him more minutes than the player he's worse than. That line, Tatar, Deneau, and Gallagher is one of the best expected goals lines in the league, one of the that best defensive true. lines in hockey. They do not get enough respect. That is true. Can we and talk Dominic about Ducharme can trip over his own dick as much as he wants, but when it comes down to it, uh, they're winning in spite of that, not because of it. Yeah, I agree. I. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a... They're winning in spite of it, but it's kind of, you know, if you're the, the Habs core pieces and you've, you're using your post game in the playoffs to be like, oh, by the way, fuck the coach. Winning is kind of a tricky thing to do because if they go all the way, it's like, we got to extend them for 10 years. And you've got like Kakanyemi being like, oh, fuck. 
Do you know what I mean? You know what? But I, I guess... think that it is funny and uh, it's <laughs> a very chaotic thing. But as a man who does not have a horse in this race in terms of who wins. Get, bring on bring on more quotes. Bring Chaos, more baby. Say the weird yeah. shit. I'm here for it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I wanted um, to say do... this real quick. Love Nikolai Ehlers uh, holding oh, like yeah. 10 guys back. I wanted to mention that when Evans was down. Just a nice human moment. That guy rules. I'm a, such an Ehlers fan. Uh, just a, a really class move, and I thought I thought that that was that was really really nice nice to see. One of the great one of the great photos for sure. Uh, the no. circumstance behind it is kind of tough to look at because there's you know Jake Evans line there. It was his birthday yesterday too, but it's it was really his. Nice they, he did that to him on his birthday. That's yeah. Awful. I wanted to get that in there. I wanted to get that in there too. It was oh. his birthday, but I always I always put a little wager on guys to score when it's their birthday. And uh, yeah, yeah, that, go- uh, that goes against everything I believe in. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> because I don't think it is a true impact. But I respect uh, I respect your joy for the game. But yeah. I don't think uh, a player <laughs> no, being born on a day twenty five years ago has any impact whatsoever. Happy birthday to. <laughs> So Charles, what's your play? What's your? Let me ask you two questions, three questions, and there, this is a bit of a speed round question. Okay, uh, I'm bad at these. We know this. We don't. Do yeah, it. but Charles, every day is an opportunity to turn around, and if you don't get out, uh, here's the questions: One, mm-hmm. who do you think is going to win this series? Who did you think before last night was going to win this series? Those are pretty quick questions, mm-hmm. and who do you want to win this series, and how badly? The first okay. two are quick. Uh, yep. uh, the second oh. one does not have to be as quick, but uh, we got one, shit to do. One, Winnipeg. Two, Montreal. Two, Montreal. The reason I want Montreal to win is not because they beat us. The winner goes on to play the Colorado Avalanche, which this would be so cool to see the Montreal Canadiens play the Toronto Maple Leafs and the zombie Quebec Nordiques in the same playoffs. Love that's, that. That's all I want. That's what Very I want. fun. That's, that's mine. That's what I want. And I, it's just a little, little cool nugget of information that I'll look back on uh, after I forget about what happened in the first round and be like, hey, remember that time Montreal played Toronto and then later the Nordiques. So I think uh, my, my opinion on this, and I think mm-hmm. it's very fun. I have not considered that. And mm-hmm. I think that's delightful. But I think I thought Winnipeg, but I do think these teams are so close that uh, the one game swing is a massive deal for me. Uh, in game now, I do think I think Montreal is going to pull it out. I think it's going to take seven. I think this is going to be a very Ooh. good series. Who do I want to win? I want to win. I want Winnipeg to win. I mean, I just like I. I while I am older, and I can certainly respect a lot of players on the Montreal Canadiens, like Carey Price, while I have criticized his contract, and I am annoyed by how the media paints him out to be Jesus, not saying he didn't play like Jesus last series, because he played better than Jesus, who is actually quite a mediocre goalie. Uh, but anyway, my point is, he is the kind of like elder statesman in hockey that I, you kind of, I do, it's, if he was not on the Habs, I would want him to succeed so badly. I've always wanted my, one of my things I've always said is I would love to see Carey Price get a Stanley cup as long as he stays out of the Toronto Maple Leafs way. And uh, well, <laughs> first, but yeah, that was one of my saying. So like if, if he can, I don't see it happening this year because of the Colorado avalanche, frankly. I think everyone's but, uh, Colorado food at this point. 
Yeah, yeah. But if he were to do it this year, I'd be like, okay, well, you couldn't do it without putting my team out carry, but I would like to see him win a cup. Some of my favorite hockey memories uh, from like the last 10, 15 years are actually carry price based. Um, the Sochi Olympics, when post game he gives his medal straight to his dad and is like, yeah, this is for you. Yeah. And uh, his speech winning the Hart Trophy. I agree. And yeah, uh, great, great moments. Yeah, he's, he, he is a legend and he's a gent, and I do wish him the best, but I just can't stomach Montreal winning a cup. <laughs> Our producer said Jesus saves. That's very funny. Uh, so, now, let's talk about the Leafs-Habs series. And uh, let's start, this may surprise you, let's start with the emotion of it. Without any pressure of being rational or being analytical or wondering why or what, how, how did you feel? No, not good. <laughs> not uh, not good at all. I took the game six loss harder than the game seven loss. I, I took know. The game, I took the game Charles six Charles had 62 loss. tweets after game six. I counted I believe them. it was 63, wasn't it? I thought it was 63. You told me that Jack Dorsey was uh, at your door telling, the, telling, you it was, telling you it was your job to get me under control. The weirdest thing, though, is I watched Game 6 with my dad, who never gets uh, animated about hockey, and even he was, uh, oh boy, it's the first time I've ever seen him get worked up over a hockey game. It's a lot of, uh, a lot of picket yelling and cursing. Um, yeah, I was, I was pretty steamed after Game 6. Yeah. How are you? I, that's sad. Really sad. I think, honestly, the fact that you mentioned your dad, I did not get to watch with my dad. I got to watch uh, game two, or sorry, game three with my dad and my, my brother. And it was. You saw like, a win, though. Oh, so yeah. Two, and I love that. Two losses. I two absolutely losses love that. And, like, for me, it's like, listen, my, I don't think my dad is. A, my dad is. A, he's not 70 or anything. And uh, I'm, I'm not. He's well, but. My dad has seen a Leafs team win a cup, but same. never in a color TV. Also same. And my dad. So I would like that part of me. I'm just like, I personally, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm actually pretty patient. Uh, but I, I, for my, my, the older generation's sake, I, it, it was a real bummer and it, it made me sad. It was more, it was less of a heartbreak and more of a dull ache. Like, Oh, like I didn't have the rage. I did not have, all this. I couldn't. I. I mean, I have to be honest. I think anger is the the laziest emotion, and anger is just loud sadness. And I think a lot of angry people just aren't ready to admit that they're fucking sad. And I was. I was a sad, sad man, and it hurt. It hurt worse than the Bruins series in a way. Less violently hurtful, but. The thing was that with those Bruins series, the people are like, they blew it. They didn't re- – I mean, they yeah. they no. weren't supposed to win in the first yeah. place. No, and that's – I think that's the part that made me sad. So I would say game seven was sadness. Game six was just uh, – just, uh, I cannot believe they're doing this again was the game six mm-hmm. for me. 
And then game seven was just like, yes, okay, now I am very sad. Uh, yeah, I uh... I was I gotta be honest. I was, uh, and I've listened to a, a lot of podcasts about uh, about the run. I am uh, at this time of year. I like I I usually have a, a few of my rotation that I'll I'll pick and choose. But at this time of year, I'm all in. I'm listening to everything, even if they lost. And frankly, especially if they lost, I want to know. And I gotta be honest, man. The, the amount of pants shittery on Twitter on podcasts i just like i i kind of realized this year i'm like i think this just happened this year i don't i don't have this level of rage in me anymore i don't have this like i'm not gonna get on twitter and be like this player's a fucking loser it's just like at a certain point i'm just like this is so childish and i know that sports is meant to be a vessel to your inner child but i meant the good part of your inner child not the pants shitting and i i'm listen it's okay to be emotional i get it i understand but god damn it's i i was embarrassed i was embarrassed of the reaction i'm embarrassed of people getting on players instagrams and talking shit i'm embarrassed that we fall into this cycle of we need to trade everyone anytime something fucking happens it's just like do we all have to be B-team talk radio people? Must we? I think we're on the C-team here, actually. Oh, we're not on a team here, Charles. Me and We're just some. Uh, we're just a few fellows on a rock yelling into the void. I, uh, I got to tell you, I need to recuse myself from the Twitter discussion here. Well aware of that. I need to just recuse myself of weighing into that. Awful performance uh, from you, Charles. I had to say it. Just horrific but, Twitter performance. Like two or three on your uh, biggest letdowns of the series. I said you were my number. Your Twitter account was my number two letdown. And you, as a That's human right. being, uh, is nowhere near that. Uh, oh, your Twitter account, nice. Charles, if I never met you, I would call the police on you. <laughs> Boy, uh, I, wanted, I want to talk about the trade thing. So you brought it up. You, you brought up the uh, we need to trade everybody. And I want, to, I want to start in on that. So do you trade anybody? Hmm. I'm That's a good go question. I think do, people are like, you got to change... Okay, so I'm not saying that it's wrong to be mad or upset or to be emotional. I want to be clear about that. I have yeah. that those feelings as well. If we were to do this podcast two days ago, I think I'd be a bit more raw, but now I've had a time to look at some stuff and I feel a little better. Big same, big same. Um, so I'm great. As always, time is, is, is beautiful. Do I want to trade? Do I want to change something? Yes. Every no, single offseason, I do I want to change I, I a little something. Trade someone. So do you trade anyone from this team that's currently under contract going into the next season? Do you trade them? Yes. Who do you got? I have one name that I trade right away. Is and it it's Alex, Alex Kerfoot? Okay. All right. Here's why. So, yeah. Okay. Because Kerfoot uh, makes $3.5 million. And he's worth about 1.75. That's about how much value that guy's giving you. Two, everyone is like, man, Kerfoot is finally doing what he said. The reality is, in my opinion, Kerfoot had a very good seven-game stretch 
has no indicator that he's going to do that again in his career. And I think his value is never higher and so he high. might get plucked in the expansion draft anyway. So I trade him now. I get the cap space. I try to recoup an asset, not unlike the Andreas Janssen trade where they picked up Joey Anderson, someone young and who is not eligible to be drafted in the expansion draft. You take your money and you refill it in free agency. Now, The exact opposite is why, because I think we're tiptoeing around this, and this is where everyone's at right now, is trading Marner. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't. Because Mitch Marner's value has never, ever been lower than it is now. I understand that people get mad and they say, they look at Marner, who, by the way, was bad. He had a bad series. I think we should get into Marner a little bit later. But I never, ever fucking ever want to make an emotional decision about moving a player especially of that caliber if i look at my season and i don't want to move a guy i'm not changing my mind based on a seven game sample i'm not doing it kerfoot is not worth the money he is paid i think he was a delight to watch in the playoffs i think flip him now and marner's the opposite you're gonna you're you're gonna get bent over in any mitch marner deal and they're not gonna do it anyway with with Kerf, so the, the, one of the biggest reasons, aside from cooling down, uh, that I'm glad that we did this today, is I was actually a bit nervous. I thought we were going yesterday at the same time as the media availability. Mm-hmm. So the media availability yesterday came out in order, Shanahan to Keith to Dubas closing it off. And look, my thing on Mitch Marner is contract over player. That contract was signed with the idea that the cap was going to go up. It's not everybody's we, we've all heard this, you know, five times since they got put out. So that's, that's my big issue here. However, yesterday they made it quite clear. Like they made it quite clear that the core four are not going anywhere. So I got to hand it to them. That's a ballsy move. At this point, the, the, the two of them said, we believe more or less in these core players so much so that if if it comes down to it, we're running them again. And if that comes back on us, so be it. So I, I got to respect that. Like pretty much like Shanahan and Dubas both more or less said that without spelling it out. And yep. to me, that's – to me, it's like, look, you can get as mad as you want, but if you've got two fellas that are – I'm in no way shy of saying that both of these men are very much smarter than me in the world of hockey by a lot. Uh, if they're going to go out there in front of the Toronto media after losing a game seven and be like, yeah, okay, we've heard you all shitting your pants collectively, but uh, here's the thing. We're not fucking doing it. And if it comes back on us and I'm looking for a new job, oh boy, fuck me. Am I right? (laughs) So that was impressive to see. That was impressive to see. I've softened uh, that and you don't, you don't win a trade. You just, there's, you don't do it. You don't win. We discussed this yesterday via text message. Yes. I don't know. I just said that like an old grandpa who just <laughs> learned how to use a computer. I'm a, I agree with you that the Marner's the Marner contract is bad, but I have said this before. I will take a superstar who is paid a million to two million more than he should because Mitch Marner is a nine million dollar player making almost eleven million dollars. Yeah. I will take a superstar who is overpaid by a million or two over someone like Zach Cashin who's in your bottom six and can't do anything anything for you any day. And the other thing, there is no precedent for a team winning a trade where you trade a superstar. And make no mistake, I know that this playoff series was not great, but he is a superstar. You get 91 points when you're 21 years old, you are not winning that trade. 
Like the Thornton, the real precedent for it is the Joe Thornton trade from yeah. Boston. Like, and that at the time people are like, oh, he had a bad, he had a bad playoff. So we got to get rid of him. Yeah. Well, you got no one for him and you set your franchise back 10 years and the Leafs would do no different. When the Sharks traded Joe Thornton, they sent the Bruins, Marco Sturm, Wayne Primo and Brad Stewart. So that I know that there's some people like, <laughs> I know. And for everyone <laughs> Begging us to trade Marner, you're not going to win the trade. I think I understand people's people being upset with Marner, uh, but I don't think that this is going to make you any happier. If you're going to get Brad Stewart and like the third best primo brother, I'm sorry, man. You're only setting yourself up for more sadness. I think we should get into why the Leafs lost. And you know what? I think this is a good actually a great way to tee it up we have a question here from a listener chuck sahoy is it yeah yeah well probably one of the best habs fan follows on twitter it's at chuck sahoy i thought this was a a great question and so well asked and i will say that with the exception of a few people who i've muted (laughs) i'm glad to say that i'm at the point of my life that uh people are chirping each other relentlessly most of my hockey fans are just honestly we'll talk about the game and who's been good and who's been bad and i think that's such an improvement than uh aimlessly yelling at each other like you did when you were 18 years old so this is the question given your understandable and that's in brackets undying conviction that the leafs would pull out the series win against the habs will the outcome affect how you manage expectations in the next playoffs what a thoughtful question. No. <laughs> no, not one bit. And I'll tell you why, because here's my expectations already. There's 31 teams in this league. Next year, there's 32. I approach every season understanding that it's going to kick me in the balls at the end of it. That's the case every year until it isn't if you haven't figured that out yet maybe it's time that you take a look at it sports is not fun they're not leisure sports are a distraction they're not a source of leisure if you want to be happy if you want to be satisfied with the ending of something watch a fucking movie or the sopranos or The Sopranos. I haven't seen the end, though, so don't tell me. No, I will never spoil anything for people. You're a good man, Charles Pickett. Yeah, I'm not. Um, a... But back to my his kind of question. That, no, yeah. or sorry. To, oh, I apologize. I interrupt you. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, no. My answer to that question is I think my expectations for next year's Leafs don't begin until I see next year's Leafs, and that's what happens to me every season. So I saw this year's Leafs, and I saw how this year's Leafs played, and I uh, – I bought in. There's a few times on this podcast, actually, I, I, like said, like, I'm afraid I'm becoming a dinosaur because I like this move. And this move was the adding of Nick Felino or the adding of Joe Thornton or the adding of Zach, you know, what? I, like, dinosaur shit. Like, well, let's, let's be real. Like, was, yeah, but, I mean, Charles, to be fair there, uh, Zach Bogosian was a great ad, and I was, was wrong great. about that. Uh, yeah, Joe Thornton, great. I kind of knew it wasn't a good ad, but goddamn, if you can ah. add Joe Thornton for 700k a year, I'm not going to get mad at it. And Nick Felino, we have time to talk about later. So continue your thought. Uh, so it's like my expectation doesn't really 
get to where it's the the point of expectation uh, until after the deadline. Like until after the deadline is when the exits. I think this year with it being a sprint season and there was never a clearer path for the Leafs to make the top four, the final four, because there's no Tampa, no Boston. Mm-hmm. Boy, did I have – I had capital E expectations this year. Same. And make no mistake, that is an enormous, heartbreaking, blown opportunity for the Leafs. Yeah. Uh, Chuck's ac- Chuck actually gave it to me on Twitter because, like, when the uh, Leafs were up 3-1, I was like, they still got to win one more game. Like, you don't want to lose. I always say game five is the most important game of a series. Yeah. And uh, I was like, you don't want to lose one more game and let them back because you let a team back into the series if you lose game five. And then if you lose game six, it's a coin toss because that's all game seven is. And I was like – and literally the first reply was him. He's like, buddy, I think you'll be all right. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, Charles, yeah. I will say you're dangerously getting close to a truth that most hockey fans do not want to admit that this is a coin toss. It is a weighted coin toss, but it's a coin toss. Yeah. The coin is has a – in this series, the coin had an 80% chance of landing on one side. But make no mistake, <laughs> randomness is highly at play here. People don't like to do that because it's a human nature thing to want to attach stories to things, but a lot of them just ain't real. It's just stuff we have been hearing for years from guys like Don Cherry who still influence the culture and all that shit, and it's just not the case. There's an element of randomness. We were unlucky in this series. And with the thing about stats that I think pisses people off, and people get pissed off about expected goals because they see someone wrong in a series or in a game, and they're like, well, you fucked up. You were wrong. They're not saying they're sure. They are saying, I am 80% sure. They are saying what is most likely to happen over a large enough sample size that randomness gets eliminated, which, by the way, is about 30 games. That's why you see teams creep their way to the conference finals, but rarely to the finals because luck eventually dries up. I know that these concepts are not as fun as being like, well, you got to get leadership. you got to get a guard out of fucking die. But people have been saying that for years. There's no proof. There is no proof that there has never been anything quantifiable about looking over at a guy and saying that, He's a leader. It's like, yeah, good. I bet he's fun to be around. Does that change the impact on the ice? Maybe a bit, but it can't be measured, and this shit can. In all situations, this comes from our producer who put this in our group chat. The Leafs won in shots for, expected goals for, scoring chances for, high danger scoring chances for, and goals for. The Leafs got more goals total. If you play this, I honestly, if you play this series, if this was a best of... If this was a best of nine, I think the Leafs win. I think the if you I think honestly this what series was the Leafs. I think Carey Price was unbelievable. Now, am I saying that the Leafs deserve to win? Nope, I'm not. I'm really not. I'm just yeah. saying if you did this long enough, they would have pulled out a game that they did. <laughs> I know that's not reality, but I'm saying this shit has been researched to the point that you can't deny it anymore. I know people are like, well, I don't care about expected goals. Well. I don't fucking care about politicians either. That doesn't mean that they're not real and they're not affecting things. I don't think expected goals cares about them. Uh, that's, no. why, that's why my take is like it's very frustrating to cheer for an inverse because the Leafs somehow find a way to be the inverse of that number. 
Oh, the Leafs are the are heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. The, the <laughs> best, probably the best data scientist working in hockey, Dom Decision, who has public models. Uh, the percentage of the Leafs doing what they did the last three years was 1.7 out of 100. Wow. Yeah. So, That's yeah, crazy shit happens. That's it's not likely, but we've been hurt. So I, I do understand why people maybe don't want to hear this shit. And maybe people are like, I don't want to win expected goals. I don't fucking want to win expected goals either. But this might come off wrong. Uh, well, no, I'm confident with how it will come off, but I don't think people will like to hear it. I would rather have a great season and a playoff series that it looked like you should have won, but you did not, than to squeak into a playoffs, win a series, and your underlying numbers are trash. Because if you win in the first round or the second round, it doesn't matter. You didn't win a cup. But those numbers are promising, and that's why I don't change this core. So I would agree with you. Or sorry, I would have disagreed with you right up until... <laughs> no, no, I'm saying years ago. So you said that like you wouldn't want to win a series where your underlying is terrible and you win a second series or you, you fluke into a series and what have you. Because that changes what management is going to address. And okay, that's sure. Why, that's why I agree with you. That's why I agree I wouldn't want to do that if there's a... So Don't get me wrong. My heart would rather win a series. I'm not fucking crazy. Yes. My, but yeah, I'm just saying in terms of the, the long-term chances of my team being good enough to yes. win a cup, not a series, reason, a cup. The reason I bring back that it's kind of detrimental to a team or it's bad for what management is going to do, I'll dial it back to that Leafs team that ended up in game seven against the Bruins and they were up 4-1, yada, 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 yada. The Kessel Cadre year? Or yeah, the one after then, that? Uh, the, the you have to specify there. which particular yeah, Bruins heartbreaking one. loss this was. Sadly. The shortened season. The shortened season. The first <laughs> yes. one. Perfect uh, example. The hits. The classic. That, the Leafs going where they went pretty much set the fucking franchise back a handful of years because they went out that summer and they were like, shit, we're close. We'd better add some big ticket free agents and Dave Clarkson and Dave Boland and they'll get us over the hump. And yep. boy, oh boy. Oh, they were wrong. And they looked at it and yeah. they said, oh, all, we're, you know what we are? We're just one tough guy away from being a real playoff team. Something that gets mm-hmm. said every year and is not fucking true. David yes. Clarkson was an enormous mistake. And that's why I was so relieved to have management come out and be like, no, we're staying the course here. This is, I hate to say it, but like, and I know that no one is going to be excited that you're winning the scoring chance battle. But smart teams don't judge how they're doing by the score they do judge how they're doing by scoring chances because scoring chances are easily predictive every game has 20 to 40 scoring chances which eventually will even out to goals about 10 percent of the time every game has two goals three goals four five nothing that's a tiny sample that you could make an enormous mistake i don't want to get too deep into the weeds here but like there are there are reasons to believe that this will be fine. Another thing about this series is that nobody ever everybody always wants to say that one team blew it. And don't get me wrong, the Leafs did blow it. But you got to give credit to Montreal here. Some guys in particular, uh Joel Edmonston had a great series. Uh Carey Price, obviously we don't need to say again, was fantastic. And I do think there's part of me that I wouldn't go as far maybe as saying they got goalied, but man oh man, if uh, if a goalie plays humanly, the Leafs win. And Deneau yeah. is the most underrated defensive forward in the league. 
I Nathan McKinnon said that he's the hardest guy to play against against the league. Him and Gallagher are constantly at the top of all the expected goals against charts. He's a bit of a dull watch because I think he's an intelligent player. He doesn't hit a ton. He's not constantly in people's faces. But, man, oh, man, he is effective. There's not a lot of guys. He shut down – he really shut down that line. He had – so, Phil Deneau, uh stat line in this series. Zero, zero, zero. He had the biggest zero goose egg stat line series we will ever see. We will yep. never see such a crucial series played by a guy – and there's literally nothing to put on the hockey card in terms of stats. Like that was a clinic of pretty much like what people were looking for in terms of like the whole Riley Nash effect where it's like, yeah, when he's on the ice, nothing really happens, but a lot better because Riley Nash is not usually shutting down the caliber of like Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. And that's what Phil Deneau did. And for what it's worth, Matthews had a, uh, a 3.5 shooting percentage, right? So like, as we have discussed, the average shooting percentage for most players is around 10, 11%. Matthews is more around 14, 15. That would have evened up. He hit so many posts. I think four posts and crossbars. You can't, I, it's, it's, Deneau did a bang up job, but he didn't shut him down. He was having five, yeah. six shots a game. He was getting chances. And a lot of Perhaps. people were like, Matthews and Marner let the Leafs down. I think you got to separate those guys there because Matthews didn't score, but Marner, I think, while I just went on a long-winded – I'm not saying that guy had a good series. He didn't, man. He had some – made some poor decisions uh, that ended up in the back of our net, and he just was really like a player who was overthinking it. I know that you were, you were, pretty, uh, you were pretty hard on Marner and his series. What, what, what's, where are you at on, on Mitch now, a couple days away? Couple days, a couple days passed. Um, honestly, my perception on the whole trade thing has cooled off, mainly because if management is willing to put their jobs on the line, like I said, I'm smarter. They're smarter than me. I'll never be as smart as those two guys. So, whatever. Charles, listen, buddy, yeah. you are smarter than some general managers in general. Oh, yeah, some general managers not, in this league. I was just going to say, you definitely, definitely. I didn't say that, but those two guys in particular, yeah. I know when I'm beat. Um, the one thing, so Marner, you watch games with me during this playoff. Marner drove me nuts. He drove me nuts. But yep. the one thing that really was like, I, I took this personally. It was like, from hell's heart, I stab at thee, Charles Pickett. Do you remember in March when I uh, I was a little hot under the collar because I felt that they were making the same mistakes over and over again? And you were like, relax, they're getting goalied. But I was like, it's not the fact that they're losing the games I'm mad. It's the fact that they're doing this boneheaded shit. And the one I got so mad about was like, we've got players at our offensive zone blue lines. And instead of just being like, I'm going to skate in one direction, they're like, hang on a minute. Check this out. And they do something boneheaded. And it ends up in the back of their net. And game seven, that happens. And I couldn't even get mad. I was like... Son of a bitch, that's a callback. That's a callback <laughs> on me. I, yeah. I couldn't even... Oh, no, yeah. Brendan Gallagher... So I wanted to tie into this because Brendan Gallagher is the guy that scored that goal. Yeah. And I... Okay, so again... real And by the way, Gallagher, real gutsy performance from him, huge, playing hurt. Huge, and he's just, another guy. Yeah. People talk so much about how much of a pest he is and how tough he is and how thing. hard he works. People... Because of that, people don't take enough time to just say straight up, this guy is fucking talented. He is an excellent hockey player. 
So Brendan Gallagher is for as, as pretty much as long as I can remember now, probably since like Match Pacioretty and uh, Thomas Placanic kind of became the elder statesman and Patch got traded. Gallagher has been the heartbeat of that team. He's their pulse. He's everything. So the fact that in game three, he's visibly hurt and he's hurt to the point where he's dry heaving on that bench. Like he yeah. is in unbelievable discomfort. I cannot think of a player for that franchise in the history that I've been around that deserves such a Montreal Canadiens game seven moment than Brendan Gallagher. Yeah. And it, it frustrates me that it comes across, like it comes against my Leafs. I would have paid money probably if I could for that to happen to the Boston Bruins instead of the Toronto Maple Leafs because it would be the same effect for Gallagher like it's you know big rivalry but uh boy did he have an impactful series playing with the limited ability that he had because of the dude's clearly in pain he's not ready he broke his fucking hand right uh, uh, with Marner thing, because I I think we I took okay, us out we're, we're, there. We're I apologize yeah. but with Marner yeah. Like, he really frustrated me. He really, really did. But, like, people, it's just such a default for sports fans. This, someone has a bad series, you say, fucking trade our guy. You know, everyone says that so quick. There's another option. Don't lose a trade. Rehabilitate the player. He's 23 years old. His flaws are very, very fixable. He has stuff in his game, his skill, his uh, defensive intelligence that are unteachable that you could not teach someone how to do. My issues with Marner are he so clearly, and like people say all this shit, like, oh, he doesn't care and all that. It's like, man, you're just, everyone cares. That's that's mm, not true. Yeah, no, the Marner, dude, the thing about Marner is- If you watched his press Marner, conference yesterday, if you watched this sort of cut you off, but if you watched his media availability yesterday, it was upsetting to see how upset he was. And I actually got blocked by a guy on Twitter because the guy on Twitter is like, listing off all the hits we'll say and i was like well this is absolute trash because i watched the same thing you did and the guy had his hat over his eyes and yeah. kept looking like <clears throat> and you know oh, what if he is ornery with the media i don't fucking care i don't I'm care <laughs> i all i care about is what does he do on the ice and this is what i the thing about marner is marner is so creative and make such incredibly skilled plays. And I'm not one of those guys who's like, you gotta, you gotta be simple. I'm not fucking, I'm not Hunter trying to turn Ovechkin into a Selkie winning winner, winger. I'm not saying that. What I do want to see from Marner is three things. One, he has to be able to simplify his game sometimes. Not because I get upset when he gives the puck away or because he makes creative plays that make me mad. I don't want him to lose that from his game. The Problem in the playoffs is that you get game planned for, and right now Marner is very easy to play for because he doesn't make enough simple straight line plays to keep the other team honest. They know he's not going to shoot. They know that he is, is going to try to make a great play. And I don't mind him trying to make those great plays, but you need to simplify your game sometimes, not to change who you are, but to keep your opposition a little honest. I have another minor thing, but if you'd like to go ahead, I just talked for 30 seconds. Uh, no, I think that's actually you hit the nail right in the head. Like, it's funny for us to think, and this is, this is something I was going to get to. It's funny for us to think that, okay, how do you explain to Mitch Marner that he needs to play two ways? But the two ways aren't like you need to play really good offensively and really good, honest defensively. 
literally you've sometimes you got to ask or some find a way to dial through to Mitch Marner that like, man, sometimes you got to play like a fourth line plug in the offensive zone. Like sometimes you're just like, you got to sometimes make the decision to just chip it in and just rip it sometimes or just rip it on net. Like, and that's, I honestly, I'm not a guy who says that the problem with every power play is they don't shoot enough. I mean, with Marner, I actually do think that's a problem, but normally I think that's an oversimplification. But they're just – they're got to – the other thing about Marner, and I, I'm really going to be delicate with how I say this, but I really think that he uh, would benefit from a sports psychologist. Now, a lot of people have said – because I know Marc-Andre Fleury's career renaissance, he, he credits to that. And I'm not saying yeah. that, like, every time this happens, someone doesn't perform, they're like, oh, he's soft. He's not a playoff guy. He can't turn it on when, it is, when it's – that's always a sports discourse. What if we just approach the situation with the slightest amount of empathy whatsoever? And I know that people don't like to hear that because he makes $11 million bucks a year. But I've seen so many instances of like the richest celebrities in the world who have been immensely depressed to the point that it's a fucking illness and money ain't fixing it. Rich people still get mental shit in the way. But I think a sports psychologist would be a very good thing for him rather than be like, this guy can't do it in the playoffs. You can look at it and say, this guy has not done it in the playoffs. Like a skill, how, what can we work on with him to make him be able to not feel like he has to do everything himself, to not play tightly, and to just be... Because Marner is a fun... When Marner's having fun, that's when he's at his best. Like, there was a lightness to him. You forget now, because now his image is like this petulant, rich, privileged child. But Marner, when he came around, I've never seen a leaf more beloved. Not says Wendell. Everyone loved him. They thought he was adorable. He was fucking sick. There was not, until the contract thing, not a bad thing to say about him. And I think the contract thing is exasperated by the flat cap thing. The contract thing would have went away. Would have went away this year if it's not the flat cap thing. The funniest thing, and I want to end on this, but the funniest thing is that, like, collectively right now, everyone's losing their mind about Marner's playoff performance the last two or three years in a row. And myself included, I did this until I sat down and realized uh, yesterday at Media Availability, it's like, huh, William Nylander sure did turn it the fuck on this year in the playoffs. Yep. So it can be done. It can be done. You're we've damn seen right. it happen in our franchise. Like, we've seen it. The only thing that makes me, and I'll always be a little bit leery, but again, I'll go back to the two guys that are smarter than me, just with the flat cap, remaining flat until William Elander and Austin Matthews contracts are up. Are we in a position to be able to keep Austin Matthews and William Nylander beyond this contract? That's for a few pods down the road. Yes. Okay. By the way, yes, they will move heaven and earth to keep both those guys. Don't even worry your pretty little head about it. That's three years (laughs) down the road and everything is going to be beautiful on that. Charles, I promise you that text me in three years. I got you. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the last thing about Marner real quick. Marner, by the way, uh, last three seasons, 0.88 points per game in the playoffs, which is, uh, that's about a 70-point pace over, so, like, we can't, he had a bad series, but to say that he's not a playoff performer at all is a bit harsh. And also, the difference between Nylander being a guy who is useless in the playoffs, who everyone hates, is one series, and it's just because it's the most recent thing, and we've talked about it before, why does something 
is just because something happened most recently doesn't mean it's most important. It's just the most recent thing and your brain attaches to it. A lot of people said that we lost this series because the core didn't score enough goals. And while I think if Marner and Matthews broke through, that would have been enough to win this series. I will cop yeah. to that. The thing is, I don't look at it like that. We did not win this series because we did not score enough goals. I think it's a problem to say that, oh, if three guys scored, we would have won. Yeah, well, if fucking anyone scored, if Joe Thornton yeah, scored three goals, he would have won. Well, it's not well, the core and everyone else. That's a fun narrative, but it's the, real, the reality is your team needs to score more goals than their team. And while I think the core was bad, if they had insulated them even a little bit more, they would have been able to weather that Tavares injury, which was a there huge were, problem, by the way. There were two instances, two elimination games went to overtime. So it's yeah. not even we didn't score enough goals. It was... In two instances, we weren't able to get one. That was it. That was it. We needed one more goal. One more goal. Literally, and I don't care who scored it. I don't care if Jack Campbell scored it. Oh, but I would care. I would love yeah. that. I would. I would weep. That's but adorable. One, That's the best story ever. I. Uh, <laughs> one thing, though, another reason that we lost the series is is Montreal were an unimpeachable team when it came to capitalizing on their chances. You ever have a day where absolutely everything goes right for you from the moment you get out of bed to the moment you go to sleep? No. no. <laughs> you have like, you know, what, what? <laughs> But I get what you're going for. Please go like, ahead. I've read Harry Potter about the potion, so I get the analogy you're going yeah, for. Yeah, like it was literally their offensive uh, abilities were like that when they were when their backs were against the wall. Yeah. Like literally their every fucking thing was rewarded. Every risk they took came out on top. It was incredible. Uh they or it was incredible and it was a little bit lucky. A little oh definitely a little bit lucky. Uh the only not so to say, I, and I'm not saying the Canadians were lucky to win. Oh you know what maybe I am a little bit I'm saying that we were the if you look at anything lucky we the the luck was in in Montreal's favor, but we in didn't their favor. We didn't stack the deck enough. If you took mm-hmm. okay, so if the Leafs fired Dubas and brought in Mark Hunter, and they had the same off season and trade deadline that they did this year. Okay, yeah, our producer sending us a note. Habs had a better shooting percentage on high danger chances. That makes a difference. I'm reading that dead on because I could not have said it better. It does make the difference, and I'm not saying that. I'm not using it as an excuse. It's just that's that's how this turned. So, Kyle, du- if you looked at this offseason and you said that Mark Hunter took over, you'd believe it. And that's a fucking problem. That is an enormous problem. The Leafs forgot about who I they are. See, Kyle I need to see Dubis, the boys' heights. No, I need to see the boys' heights. Kyle Dubas is at his best. Him. Kyle Dubas is at his best when he is finding guys that no one else values. Zach Hyman. Justin Hall, even Jake Muzzin to an extent. No one had any idea how good he was this year. All the ads this year were exactly the opposite. They were emotional ads. And you could see this, don't get me wrong, as a player, I love Wayne Simmons. When he, when he was in his prime, he was incredible. But Wayne Simmons kind of looked cooked this year. Joe Thornton, I will never take it back. Having Joe Thornton on this team was a fucking delight. I bought a t-shirt with his face on it that says no stress, which is does not really encapsulate who I am at all, and I don't know when I'll ever wear it. But I wouldn't take it back. But undeniable, these are moves that are symbolic more 
than results driven. It's people talk about, can you win a team with this cap situation? That's a big question. And it's a fair question, but here's the answer. Yeah, you can. It's already happened. There has been people like we people. I can't believe how many people say, can you win a team when four players are taking up half the cap? Yeah, dude, it's already happened. Pittsburgh did it. And one of their players was a goalie. Crosby, Malkin, Letang, and Fleury took up half of Pittsburgh's cap for one. It's literally already fucking happened. Do your research before you start throwing up narratives for a laugh. It's possible, but you got to fill in the right guys, and you can't fill in guys like this because you – you know what? I'm, I'm weary of how much I'm talking. Do you have something you'd like to say? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying this. I had something a while ago when you were talking about, about emotional ads – Deep down, I'm always kind of going to believe that subconsciously this Amazon documentary might have had something to do with that. I'm always going to believe that. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, and it's, I, I, that's just something I'm always going to take with me because they were thinking like, okay, we are in our win now. We're going to have cameras following us all around. What's the greatest story ever? Hometown boy Wayne Simmons comes along and wins a cup. What's the, what's the other greatest story ever? Hometown boy Joe Thornton comes home. Who's going to win a cup? Oh, my God. What's another great story? We trade for a guy's son that used to play here. Yeah. And he finally wins a cup. You know what I mean? Oh, like, buddy. Couldn't agree I more. A, I Couldn't agree all, more. I bought a hook, line, and sinker, man. It was the biggest rube in the world. They, they were making a better movie than they were making a team. Yeah. You know what's a great story for me? 20 of the most unlikable fucks who, have, who don't even speak English win a Stanley Cup, and I don't care where they're from. What about that? That's a story that I'm interested in watching it. I'll make the documentary on spec. <laughs> People, and listen, may this, for the love of God, be the year that people stop saying that you need to be physical or to be have your fucking leadership, or you gotta fucking do it because his father's on the team. Get Veteran good players. Presence. I'm never. Oh, if I ever hear one more time, we have enough talent. You can never have enough talent. If you can fucking bring back Wayne Gretzky at 700k and he still got something, you fucking get him. You need four guys to shut people down on the on the forward line. Not saying defense. Defense is different. That's enough. Nick Foligno. I held my tongue when this happened on the podcast. My fucking God. Every, you could see that coming from a mile away. Taylor Hall waiting there for a second round pick. He was shooting 2% like he was fucking milk. And people said that he was done. It was so clear that what was going to happen was going to happen. But we wanted to make a story ad. We wanted to add the guy from Columbus who shut us down last year and is a captain and has a bloodline through the team. Never looking at the fact that he was having a worse year than Taylor Hall was when he was good. He wasn't even unlucky. He was hurt all year. We (laughs) fucked it. Could have got him. Could have got Paul Mary. The second Tavares goes down, we have six goddamn players who are never, ever going to score a goal or create a chance. Thornton, Engvall, Mikheyev, uh, Riley Nash. None of these guys are going to score. There's no threat to score. You shut down the top line. Montreal is equipped to do that because they have a great shutdown line center, and we were fucked up shit's creek. Brutal. 
Kyle Duvis needs to get back to himself. And people say that, oh, no, they won't have any. There's, you can't get guys for a million bucks. Yeah, you can. I made a list. Do you want me to read it to you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Here absolutely. they are. And you know what? You're going to see a bunch of these guys, and you're going to be like, I don't know who the fuck you're talking about. And yes, exactly. Because that's what Kyle Duvis used to be good at. Finding guys who are flying under the radar, who can add value to your team. Here's a list of guys who make an affordable cap it that the Leafs could have afforded this year, who would have made an impact. These guys generate shots and chances higher than anyone except Jason Spezza, who I will sign to an eight-year extension tomorrow. Bless his goddamn soul. Benny Hinnestrosa, Pew Suter, Vlad Nemesnikov, uh, Bobby oh, Ryan. Sprong, Dowd, Carter Verhady, Shiri, Johan Larson, Drake Kajula, and even Corey Perry. These were guys that all the analytics guys said at the beginning of the year that if you get these guys, they're going to drive results for you, and they did for each of their teams. Give me the no-name guys who can make it happen. Over, I loved cheering on Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton. I loved it, but it's not the way to go. I'm sorry. It's not the way to go. No more character talk. No more physicality talk. Get good players, please. I, uh, you left out one. I never want to hear about veteran leadership again. Oh, how did I forget yeah, that? That's, <laughs> yeah, that's the big one for me. Uh, Corey Perry wanted to come. He wanted to come to Toronto. Oh, doesn't that hurt? Uh, well, it's funny. There are two Corey Perry things that I could, could not stop thinking about in Game 7. One, the fact that he wanted to come to Toronto, and we were like, no, man, the bus is full. Because it was. like We didn't have any contract spots left. And yeah. two, the fact that like I learned this year that Corey Perry likes to, if he's in a slump, put his stick in a garbage can in the middle of the room and get everyone to Do throw Do you mean his own trash. mouth? Is that a euphemism? No, his stick. <laughs> his, like, his, his stick that he plays with puts it in a garbage can in the middle of the room and gets everyone to throw their trash on it and spit on it. And then just before game time, he picks it out of the thing and it's like, I'm going to score a garbage goal. And God damned if he didn't score that garbage goal. Yep. Fucking Corey process. Perry, he's still, he's still got a bit of game left in him. And you know what? Montreal used him properly. Yep. It, it, it always bothered me throughout the year that I mean, everyone has said this, but like Thornton on the top PP drove me crazy, obviously. Yeah, and I think a lot same. of people agree with that. You mentioned that when we were playing. I think you were dead right. It drove me insane. But what really kind of bothered me was why do they treat Thornton and Spezza so differently? To me, they're both legends. Uh, they're both incredible guys who uh, came to the team for no money. And I appreciate that indefinitely. But Spezza still was getting results the whole time. And I don't know why Thornton had such a long leash while he continued to play 11 minutes a game. And that's on Keith, frankly. I think it might actually be player preference. I think it might be player preference. I think Jason Spezza uh, has had a pretty lengthy injury history with his back and doesn't want to overdo it. I think he's comfortable with third line minutes and chipping in on power play too at this point in his career. I, that's my, that's always going to be my theory. It was a pretty, you know what though? Of, that's really nice of Jason Spezza, but buddy, you're too good to be doing that. We need you. Pat. We, <laughs> or do you up his workload at the risk of injuring him and not having him at all? You know what I mean? It was a written kind of like the Leafs had a bit of injury trouble this year and it was, 
kind of going into the season, it was like an agreement that this is a heavy schedule and Jason Spezza is not going to be playing the back-to-backs. Good point. And that didn't happen because we had some injury trouble. But I, you know, look, I I love Jason Spezza. I actually did keyword searches on Spezza plus I will die yesterday because <laughs> I was worried he was going to leave the team. And there were tweets dating back to like last April that were like, if Jason Spezza doesn't sign another one-year deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs, I will die. And uh, it still stands. still stands. If Jason Spezza doesn't sign another one-year deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'll die. It's like that, I'll guess I'll die. I guess I'll just, I guess I'll just lie down. I'll die with you. We could share a casket because he's uh, he, i mean there's That's my good. my thoughts are we have to change the surrounding cast make some intelligent moves pick up a a year a year type to support campbell to grask spezza can't leave and you know what like if one of thornton or simmons or nash wants to come back maybe but not three of them you gotta uh, get a gotta get a someone Someone like the Penguins just fucking the Mark Donk thing. They just pluck Mark a guy Donk. there and you're Gus like, oh, wow, this guy's good. Give me uh, – I want – I'll take a couple legends, but you get me three Mark Donks. Should we uh, – well, can, can we end on – can I end on like a scorching hot take here? I think it's paramount that you end this podcast because the amount that I have talked on this one is unforgivable. So uh, my scorching hot take, next year's goalie tandem, Jack Campbell to Garask. Sorry, this, I'm on a podcast. I open my eyes very widely. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> that's that's my that's my hot one. Uh, that's that's it. That's the uh, the hot wings challenge. That's when you get to the last one where they're just putting one little drop on it. That's, that's very scorcher. spicy. We have a minute left, Charles, and I do want to give you the last word on this, but I also want to challenge you. Oh, okay. Here we go. In two sentences or less. How do you feel about the Leafs? Where do we go from here? How are you feeling? Anything of that extent, but take us home, my brevity king. <laughs> um, just nervous. Just I'm, I'm a little bit nervous with the offseason brings. There's, I mean, I already read Seth Jones stuff, and, and you know, like I'm just going to take a step back this year. I think I'm just going to take a step back. And when the team comes out in October or training camp in September, it is who they are. And I'm just not going to really be invested, but I don't want Seth Jones. I agree with everything you just said. And let's hold ourselves accountable to that.